What's up, world? It's your boy Wes. And it's your boy Mosby. Coming at you with that locker room talk and the shorts on the sports. Where we keeping you locked in on the scores, but on the inside, it's a whole lot more. Because what's said inside the locker room stays inside the locker room. Welcome back, y'all. This is another episode of Inside the Locker Room. Virtual. Virtual. What's going on? Um, Wes. Make sure y'all close that door behind you, because this is the only place where you get that locker room talk and the shorts on the sports. I am your host, Stephen Mosey. I'm here my boy, Wes. I'm back. I missed last week, but I'm back in the building, man. You feel me? And Lou. Boy, sweet Lou over here, you know what I'm saying? You dig? And we got a special <laughs> guest in the building today, Mr. <laughs> MC. MC. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, MC? What's going on, y'all? Good to yeah. be here. So, so we know him as MC, but my man's Michael Callicott coming to us virtual from New York, NY. Where you stay at in, uh, in New York, Mike? Uh, I stay out in Queens in New York. Um, yeah. So out here working in the city. <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, bro, can you like let the audience know a little bit about yourself? Can we get a little bio, bro? You gonna be stingy? No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, real. So, so real quick. Uh, so I w- I'm from Cincinnati. Um, I went to school with, with Westmos and Lou. Mr. President. Um, uh, let's not let's not do that. Let's not do that. Exactly. It's okay. I went I, I went to high school with these guys, and um, after high school, I went to Morehouse. Uh, graduated from there, um, and I started working out here um, in finance on Wall Street, kind of doing my thing. So that's the that's the short, the quick and the short of it. You know, just out here trying to. Trying to be the best version of myself. I feel it. I feel it. So, MC, because of the fact that you are in the financial space, I'm going to say it again. Because you're in the financial space, money. before we we get started to the meat and the potatoes of the show, you know, we, we try to give our guests a little a little trivia. Uh, I got a couple of questions here, and each one of us asked you a question. And you're going to have to forgive me. I was unfortunately unable to put, like, the actual prices on here because I, I just forgot because I'm dumb like that. But I do remember which one was more expensive than the other. I just don't remember the exact pricing. So I'm going to just tell you if you're right or wrong on this. So you ain't got to give me an exact number or it, us an exact cool. number. I, I'll, just go, I'll just go fact check you on it afterwards. Oh, for uh, sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I'll put that in the show notes. For sure. Uh, all right. So this is the Price is Right. You feel me? And guess what we do in the Price is Right, bro? We try to figure out what costs more than the other. So mm-hmm. to get you started off, MC... Uh, I asked you what your favorite car was. Can you let the audience know what your favorite car is, bro? The Maserati. Ooh. 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 Ooh.
since that is the case, I looked up the price between a Maserati GT convertible and the rare LeBron James rookie card that was just on display, or I think it was earlier last week. Uh, which one do you think is more expensive, Mr. Calicult? Uh, well, I really, I really want to say Maserati offhand, but given just, you know, the strength of LeBron's career so far and the fact that, you know, like he, he hasn't retired. So like that, that would make the price go up a lot, but he's doing so well. I'm just going to assume that maybe it's a LeBron rookie card. That is correct, sir. Aww. That is correct. That is very much correct. It, went, it actually is going for a milli right now. What? Wow. A milli. How much is the Maserati? Wow. The Maserati was somewhere between, I think, 700000 I believe, when mm -hmm. I looked it up. 700000 800000 something like that. But it was definitely one of the newer ones. It was one of the newer ones. I tried to get something that was, that was relatively close God, to a milli. Okay. So, all right. Lou? All right, brother. Next one. Which one is more expensive? A pair of exclusive OVO Jordans mm. or a gold gem studded Rolex? Well, this isn't really a fair question because you guys didn't tell me what type of Rolex it is. Oh, like I just, different Rolexes go for different prices. Gem different Rolexes different Rolexes go for different prices, but whatever. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say the Rolex. Ooh, actually, no. At least the one I looked up. The one I looked up. The OVOs, the one that I looked up, it was like, I think it was like 80,000. And then the OVO rare ones, I don't know if this is true or not, but I looked it up. They was 100,000. The rare OVOs. I can see that. Honestly, I can see that. All right. That's crazy. Wes? Here it is. What costs more? Caldera hot sauce or the new iPhone 11 Pro? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. so, so basically, y'all asking me is this hot sauce a thousand dollars? That's exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> no, 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 split. I'm just gonna say, I, I'll just say the hot sauce, man. Like, I feel like this is a trick question. All right, it actually is a trick question to a degree, but it's actually the iPhone. The iPhone oh is God. However, the um there was another hot the, at least this one goes for like 400 bucks, which is a which is a, a tragedy for any hot sauce. Hot sauce. <laughs> 400 bucks. What's so spectacular? Right. Who it's just that? I guess it's just the ingredients <laughs> that they the use. Devil make it? Obviously, <laughs> came straight from the <laughs> <laughs> The hottest of the hot sauce, but there was another one that I couldn't I couldn't fact check it. There was another one that actually went for four thousand dollars. No joke, hot, hot sauce, what? four thousand dollars, bro. But who's buying it? Actually, actually, uh, Jungle Gems has it. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, honestly, and I, and I wouldn't even put that past. Yep, Jungle Gym has. has some. Nah, they got like a they got like a whole aisle of hot sauce. Yeah. Yes, they That's do. Crazy. Yes, they do. Exotic stuff. But those are the three ones we got. I, I mean, if you have any trick questions for us, Mike, you're more than welcome to ask us. 
Well, it's kind of late to be offering me that, but it's cool. No, like, and that, I don't, that, I don't have any. No. <laughs> I don't have any. I okay. don't have any. Well, that was like I said, bro. We wanted to just ease you into the conversation. Um, we we obviously had a very rough, I'll say rough, couple of weeks lately, um, just due to the climate of everything that's been going on. We already done a segment slash episode about it. And I think it's I think it's upon us to try to be very responsible um, with how we're approaching things lately. So we're not gonna put you on the spot like that, MC. However, however, we did want to talk about some recent news that we uh, came across, and it is regarding sports, but it does have a lot of pop culture reference to it, um, just based on the fact that. You know, if this thing tends to catch on, this could have major implications for the black community. Um, and that being, there was a young, young gentleman, you know more about this than I do, Wes, because uh, I know you were looking into it. It was a young gentleman, um, I think he was a high recruit. Big Mike um, Williams. Yes. Mike Williams? Mike Williams. Mike um, Williams, he's the number, number three player in the ESPN. I think he's a sophomore in the sophomore class, the upcoming sophomore class. Okay, okay. So, like I said, y'all y'all definitely know more about this than I do, so we'll open this up to the to the floor for sure. But I guess he was uh, hearing about the climate of our country right now, um, and he didn't he put out on Twitter, like, some tweet about he should be looking into, like, HBCU or it doesn't uh, yes, sound it so bad. Yes, he said it, it wouldn't be a – it don't sound like a bad idea to go to HBCU. Perfect, perfect. So he's like he, – he support his black – community and want to uh, give back to them in, in any way that he can. Okay. So I, I think you see where we're going with this, Mike, seeing that you are a graduate of an HBCU. Mm -hmm. um, Kim, before we get started in, in the importance of this matter, can you just tell me what your experience was like at HBCU and why is it so important to, to recognize these HBCUs and what they're doing for our country? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. Like, I went to, um, as I said, I went to Morehouse, and, and Morehouse literally, like, to this day is probably the best decision that I've ever made. It's just, uh, like, the culture and the history and the fact that you're, you know, you get to go to school with ambitious and driven people who look like you, and especially in the case of Morehouse, like, it's a... Morehouse is all male right next door to Spellman, which is all, all female. Like going to, to school every day with people who look like you, who have a lot of the same interests and desires as you. Um, like it just, it just revolutionized what I thought college would be like. Mm. Um, like you, like you're talking about like you're doing a lot of work and, um, and projects and all this other stuff. And like, yeah, that's school, whatever. But now you get to go, like you get to leave class and you get to go turn up with like people who share similar interests as you. We like the same music um, and we like to do the same things. It was just life changing. Then to, I think the added piece on top of that was that I went to school in Atlanta and Atlanta's just awesome, like in terms of black culture in general. So it's just, it was just a nice mix of everything that I needed coming out of high school because like you guys went to high school with me and it was by no means like a predominantly white high school, but it's still different when you leave that type of environment that we all come from 
and you get to be around people who are really focused on elevating and going like to a higher level in life and and doing something amazing and it was just it, it, it's like a comforting thing and also like it pushes you to be better mm-hmm. uh which is the most amazing part of it like you you get to feel comfortable they hype your head up a lot make you feel like you're on top of the world you're around with like your brothers and sisters and everything is great um and at the same time like you know the work can be pretty challenging and you you know you get to experience some things and you just get to be yourself during that college experience as a black person that i don't think a lot of people who went to pwis like no disrespect to anybody who went to a pwi but you don't get that same sense of community, I would imagine, at a PWI as you do at a HBCU. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm still like I'm devastated that homecoming is canceled this year because yeah. after this whole pandemic, like, or I don't, I don't know if they formally canceled it, but it's probably going to be canceled nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just devastating to think about because, you know, like that's how we, you know, kind of go back and get that experience again. And like, I can't imagine that being. I can't imagine it being even nearly as fun as my experience would have been had I gone to a PWI. So mm-hmm. it's just amazing. Literally like the best decision I've ever made. It sounds like you wouldn't, wouldn't redo it if you had the option to my brother. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And, and considering the fact that I had, like I had options too coming out of high school, I was yeah. some options. Um, and this just happened to be the best of the options. And like, I'll never forget, like I, I signed to go to Morehouse before I even, you know, went to the campus and after I signed and went to the campus and I see like all of these brothers walking around with suits on, hustling and bustling, getting to where they got to go. Like that was like, Oh, like this is, this is next level. This is something yeah. I've never seen before. You guys know that firsthand. Like you don't see that in Cincinnati to a large degree. So no. It was uh, it was eye opening, like literally the best decision ever. Yeah, I bet Wes, you also went to a HBCU for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I mean, don't do you have some similar words that you can share with, with Mike or what, what's up? Yeah, so I mean, for everybody that don't know, I did start a, at a Tuskegee University, uh, not too far from the ATL. But just like Mike said, it was it was just a great comfort factor that you it's, that you don't feel at a PWI. You just don't. Like, you know, and like I said, it's, it, you can have that community because it's a little bit smaller group of black people at PWIs and stuff like that. So you can make it like that. But just as a whole feeling, you don't get those type of things. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, you don't, you, you just, it just feels weird at times when at PWI because sometimes you might have a class where it's not a lot of us in there. There's not a lot of black people in there. And it, right. it makes you throw you off a little bit because I'm with, you know, we came from North College Hill and, you know, coming from my HBCU, nothing but black people all around us. And like he says, you get to be yourself. You see your culture every day. You, it's, it's, it's kind of rewarding to see because you're seeing so many black people when, when, you know, they say we don't even deserve to be in college sometimes, but you're seeing everybody at your same skin complexion or just different colors of black just ruling in the classroom. Everybody on that same grind. Yeah. But everybody out here also turn. Like, we out here, you know, we're going to still do what we got to do. We're going to turn up, do this, whatever, but we're going to still get to where we got to get to. And right. this is a beautiful thing to see in the people are just so confident. They bring you in like you back home, man. Yeah. yeah back home. So I, I, I definitely love my HBCU experience. I do a lot of things differently, but I, I missed it. It was a good time. Sound like you go back to I, I didn't even mean to play you, uh, Lou, because I know you went as well. I feel like I'm the lonely stoner out here. But, but I mean, do you have similar sentiments? Oh, 
definitely. So for everyone that don't know, I went to North Carolina A&T my first year. Um, and I mean, I can agree with everything these guys are saying, like just the atmosphere and the culture down in A&T was just unbelievable. Like you'll, you'll go to class and everybody is saying, what's up? How you doing? You know, they talk to you, but like, and for me, I went to Thomas More, which is a predominantly white school. And, you know, even though it was a lot smaller, but I still didn't get that same feeling that I got at being at HBCU. And like they said, like you, you see all these wonderful black educated people trying to elevate themselves. And it's just like, wow, it, it motivates you like in general. Like, yeah. So that's, but I definitely agree with everything that these guys are saying. Yeah. And, and I, I missed it. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely did. But I mean, I, everybody's path different. Man. Yeah, everybody's path different. There's a reason I transferred. You know, do I regret it? No, because of the position I'm in now. Who knows if I would have been in this position? So, but I definitely will say that I miss my ACBCU. Yeah. And G Ho, greatest home homecoming on earth. You know what I'm saying? Bellhouse homecoming is the greatest homecoming on earth. Yeah. We got the videos that we got the most homecoming. Whether we yeah, sunny okay. or gray, you hear me? <laughs> yeah, okay. You okay. hear me? Uh-oh. You hear me? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It sounds good. It sounds good. Oh, my. And we are watch y'all in sports. Oh, so I know we watch y'all. Oh, my God. This this has got tits, folks. Oh, my God. Like I said, man, I definitely feel like the lowly stone out here, but I, I remember coming to at least visit you and uh, Wes and Mike, and y'all definitely gave me a, uh, an experience of a lifetime at HBCUs. But I will say this, though, Mike, and I wonder if you can can speak to me on this. Because of the fact, one, at least uh, I was introduced to HBCU, granted it was FAMU, and there was no way that was going to end up happening just based on the way my grades were looking at the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that was the only real, outside of, I think, Central State um, that Snow took us to. Um, outside of that, I didn't have much exposure, which is I, one of the reasons why I think I never even really considered going to one. Um, and so the reason why I wanted to ask you this question, Mike, is because you – out of all of us, finished, and you were very proud of your HBCU. Um, why is that the case? Like, what, why do you, do you think that HBCUs are being exposed to the way they should be? Um, or do you think people are just not attending because of whatever stigmas are, are placed on HBCUs versus PWIs? Can you repeat the question? You were breaking up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I was saying before, I think the reason why I didn't go to a HBCU was one, I didn't have much exposure to it. Um, and two, just in a in versus a PWI, the way that I looked at it is I thought that I was going to have better success at a, a larger institution. So what I was gonna ask you is because of the fact that you finished and you're very proud of your accomplishments at Morehouse, do you think that black or HBCUs are being exposed to the black community like they should be? Or do you think it's a matter of, I guess, people sitting with HBCUs that are not true? That's the reason why they may not be getting the way that you think they should. Does that make sense? Okay. 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes okay. sense. Um, so I'll say it's probably the stigmas around HBCUs that needs to change a bit um, or change a lot, really. Like, I think HBCUs are amazing places to go, but just like going to any college, at least from my experience, when I was choosing a college, I was choosing different colleges based on what I might study at those institutions. Oh, okay. So I knew, I knew, right, like coming out of high school, like I got in, like my number one choice was Purdue. And I really wanted to be a civil engineer. So I was like, if I'm going to be an engineer, it makes sense for me to go to Purdue. If I go to Morehouse, it's going to be business. Why? Because the business program at Morehouse is fantastic. And like, I, I don't know so much about Tuskegee, but I know me and Lou had a lot of conversations because I think at the time you were like an engineering major, Lou, right? I was a mechanical engineer major my freshman year. Exactly. And it made a lot of sense for him to be there because A&T is the best school of the HBCUs for engineering. So I think if you know why you're going, I think it makes a ton of sense to go to an HBCU. And like not even harp, not even to harp on that point, though, all of the programs are amazing at any HBCU. I just think you need to understand it's not just about what level of success I can achieve by going to a particular institution is what is the experience going to be and what is my growth going to be coming out of there. And that's something that I think I underestimated even when I chose uh, Morehouse, right? Because I didn't expect for it to have the impact on shaping and molding me into the man that I am today. I didn't have any insight on that until I actually got there and started to, you know, experience it. So I think HBCUs go, I'll say HBCUs for Black people, what you get from going to an HBCU is so much greater than some professional classification. Like you get, a, like for me personally, I'll speak to myself, like you get just a, a huge sense of confidence coming out of there. Like there's so much that I did not know. Like I was, I was unconsciously unaware that I was ignorant in a lot of ways until I got there. And and those folks, like, they just really brought me up the curve and brought me up to speed in a lot of ways. So, and they did it in a way that strengthened my confidence and strengthened my resolve. Like, there's so much more now that I'm passionate about than I was going into that place. So it's not just me being, it's not just me going to Morehouse and having studied business and me being successful in business. Like, that's not, that's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, it's who I am as a person. I could have gone anywhere and been successful in business, but it would be like, you know, I don't have that strength of character that I, that I have coming out of Morehouse. And I like, like I said, no disrespect to anybody who went elsewhere, but the strength of character that I have today, like when we were going through the whole thing a few weeks ago, like I made it a point to, to speak up on like one of our team calls about the issues that the black community is facing and why we're so hurt about this. Like half the team is, is white people. And it's like, I felt comfortable doing that. And I felt like it's something that I should have done. Why? Because of where I went to school. Like I can't, you know, I can't hide behind anything at this point. Like I know what it's about. I know that if I don't speak up, the message won't get heard. And that's what you learn. So it's deeper than just, you know, learning how to be a good businessman, engineer, doctor, lawyer, whatever. It's, it's about what kind of person are you and what do you want to give back to the world that you 
develop at an HBCU. You probably develop it elsewhere, but at an HBCU, they drill it into you. They drill it into you that you need to be doing something to give back and, and lift as you climb. You rapping today, boy. All right, so Mike, um, in addition to the questions we just asked, um, you know, we, we got to give you some pop culture. Uh, I know you just showed us some, uh, <laughs> some recent news about Morehouse and their affairs, but um, there was also some recent news that uh, some companies now are starting to uh, donate money um, on behalf or to you know black universities or HBCUs um, to I guess show solidarity or support or whatever. So my question actually is to the floor, uh, but definitely you, Mike. Uh, which one is more important at this point? Is it, and it can be both, is it bringing more talent and more attraction to HBCUs by bringing in, you know, these high level recruits? Or is it bringing in the funding? Because, I mean, you, like you said, I mean, there is a stigma around HBCUs. Um, but is that funding related or is that just simply the way things are being operated? So my question to the floor is, which one do y'all think is more important? Is it the funding or bringing just simple attraction? So I'll go first, right? I think it, it has a lot to do with funding. I think the ability of an HBCU to attract young people to like enroll has a lot to do with the, has a lot to do with like the facilities and the classes that are being offered, like, you know, the, the breadth of classes being offered and that, and that type of stuff. So I think it has a lot to do with, with the funding aspect. Like you need to, you need more money at these institutions. I think you were just talking about companies donating money and stuff. I, I think you're alluding to like Netflix's yes. gift <laughs> to a few different HBCUs, yes. right? Like, or I guess the, the CEO of Netflix, the founder of Netflix is, uh, gift to a few HBCUs like that's great like the funding is definitely needed to update the facilities and to do a few more things that are necessary to make the HBCUs on par with some of the PWIs like you need those types of amenities you need upgraded amenities so that you can attract and retain you know students uh, well really just attract the students first and foremost yeah. and get them there Right. Um, and the attractions definitely like not just attractions like I think you're talking about sports and stuff when you say that Correct. Um, that's important too but the funding is so much more critical like you need to just have everything more modernized in some of these schools so that you can when kids come to to, to visit the campuses and stuff like it looks you know state of the art and a lot of that is, is funding driven mm. I mean, y'all had a whole conversation, so I know what y'all got. Okay, so, <laughs> Mike, I wanted to ask you another question is, I know funding is important, but going off, I know you're not a huge, you know, sports guy. You don't know much about it. But like we said, Mikey Williams, he's he's going into his sophomore year of college. I mean, of high school, I'm sorry. And he, he's already offered from the top programs. Like, he's ranked number three in the nation. And he came out with that statement, like we said earlier, that HBCU wouldn't be bad. So 
if you have a top ranked recruit come to HBCU, what kind of impact do you think that will bring to HBCUs as far as financially? Um, I think I think it could do a lot for HBCUs. Like for the institution itself, it could do a lot in terms of you know like selling out arenas and stuff and and um like just you can you can sell a lot more stuff you can sell a lot more tickets all that stuff will be great i don't think it like significantly moves the needle for an institution though like i mean i don't i don't know what the numbers look like for a sports program but i think you need more than just one top recruit in order to to get the ball rolling on it right so if he started and then other you know top recruits you know follow his footsteps yeah i think I, I feel I feel your logic, but I think you need the the HBCUs need to be able to compete with the top. Like, what is it like? Is it still like? Is it Pac-10 and SEC? Like, is that what it is? Yes, bro. Those. <laughs> if you need to, if you like, you need to be able to compete with them. Money, like, granted, we know that those schools aren't supposed to, and I put air quotes around supposed to be spending money and stuff to entice students to come and like athletes to come and stuff but all it out the window HBCUs need to be able to entice the talent also like because yeah like the guy that you guys are talking about who's looking at an HBCU like that's fine and dandy and he might have like some some really good deep-rooted reasons as to why he wants to do it and it may shift the culture but I still feel like there's going to be a, a lot of young very talented black athletes who are like I'm going with the best shot to get me to the league like they they go to the best high schools with the chances of getting to the league they get the best trainers like I'm not a big sports guy but I know what people do and what their families do to make sure that they're you know in the best position to go right and I'm I'm, the HCUs need to be able to compete I'm glad you said something about that because Mikey Williams he even came out with a statement was saying this was his personal opinion that like he's like he's good like he's a bad man he's like i've seen highlights he's a bad bad man and he's like yes although going to a top school um you know you have that money you have those people to train you but he's like if i know i'm the the top rank you know player like it don't matter where i go like i can i can create my own path and still make it to the nba so I think if, you know, other uh, African-American I, athletes have that same mentality, that's going to bring, like, once you once you bring in more athletes to this HBCUs, you're going to start bringing in more, you know, high-level coaches. You know, no, I, I get you. I get you. But my statements are not a referendum on the athletes themselves. It's about the people that the athletes are surrounded by mm-hmm. because they have a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. on what the athlete decides to do. So yes. if your coach is telling you, we got, you know, we got Ohio State, we got Florida State, we got, you know, University of California, we got these schools literally ready to, like, make you great and take you to the league and you want to go to, like, uh, a Morehouse or North Carolina AT or whatever, like, that plays into the psychology of it. I understand, like, I totally believe that, you know, these athletes are, are smart guys and, like, smart guys and girls and they should be able to do what they want to do. I just think that the influence, like, the culture around being a top-tier athlete 
it's it's just going to shift in the favor of the bigger schools. And I think that it could be great. Like, if they start going to HBCUs and start voting, right, if they start voting with their school selections, I think that that would be amazing. Like, it could definitely shift the culture in a major way. Like, if you go from this guy, what's his name, Mikey Williams? Mikey Williams. If Mikey Williams decides to go to an HBCU and a lot of other athletes follow suit, and I'm talking about tennis, track, golf, football, everything, if they all decide to start going in numbers, that shifts the culture dramatically. My only reservation is there's going to be, I assume there's going to be a lot of people who've been coached their whole life to go into the league, whatever league it may be, and they have a lot of people in their ears and pressuring them to make the safe choice. And, you know, that, that, that does have a, have a significant impact. Like, if we can start to get that, that trickle of top athletes into some HBCU programs, I think um, we could get – hold on one second. I think we could get um, a lot of money into the sports programs at HBCUs and stuff. I think it could do a lot of good, like bring a lot of funding to HBCUs like because they don't have – I don't think a lot of them have large sports programs right now that are generating a lot of revenue for the colleges and universities. But, you know, you get a trickle of top talent that's consistently coming, and that can, that could you know, change the, the tide tremendously. I'm just skeptical because I know of like I know people who who have parents and coaches and stuff who are just they think like they think that there's only one way to get there. And there's not just one way to get there. Like there's people like there's several people I like that have gone from HBCUs to to various leagues, like playing professional sports. Absolutely. It's just not the it's off the beaten path a little bit. And I think we just need to change the narrative about that. Because like you said, like you said, and like Mikey Williams said, if you're a top tier candidate, that shouldn't change because of where you decide to go, you know, for undergrad. That shouldn't, shouldn't change. Like if you're still putting up the numbers and doing everything, like why should that be different? I, <laughs> I do want to play. I, I want to hear what you got to say real quick. I do. I do want to play devil's advocate, real, if I if I may. Um, and it's not to like bash or anything like that, but I tell you guys, I always look at this stuff from like a media perspective. And the one thing that I do know is that when it comes to college, what's the main thing that colleges are known for? If if I could, if I could just ask, what, what like what's the first thing you think of? Partying. Partying. Sports. Sports. What about you, Mike? Probably sports. Okay. Well, I personally went to alumni. That's that's who supports mm-hmm. these, you know, universities. And, you know, let's be honest. The reason why Pac-10s, SECs, Big Tens, and all those things do so well, because they got a, a huge following. They got a huge backing from their alumni base. And that's why you're able to get the ESPNs to cover a lot of their stuff. I mean, they have a ton of funding, like you said before, that allows them to have that capacity. I mean, you know, games get sold out just cause, you know, just for namesake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Lord, I mean, shoot, Lord forbid it's a, a clash between two high level names. They ain't even got to be rivals, right? So my thing is with you know the whole thing with HBCUs is that I, I do believe funding can be very impactful, but 
where would the viewership be coming from in those capacities? Like, who would the the majority of people that are watching, you know, this young man, Mikey Williams, would they be able to relate to his games because of the fact that where he's going to? Like, HBCUs don't necessarily get much coverage uh, on ESPN and, and, and other news stations in general. I mean, I know they have, like, a tip. I know they have, like, certain um, segments, but – Overall, they don't necessarily get the viewership, and I wanted to know why. Uh, I mean, you guys probably would know better than me, but I just – personally, I'm like, it would have to definitely become from the funding aspect more than anything. Just because, like I said, man, I mean, I mean, it would be nice if a lot of, you know, athletes went that way. But the reality is, is, you know, these are a bunch of, you know, counterparts that are going to be willing to watch him. I mean, even for John Morant. Like, he didn't get realized until it was like he started playing big-time schools. So it was just like, I mean, I know it has a huge part to play in it, but I just I did want to play devil advocate real quick. I know you had something to say in regards to the funding aspect, though, correct? Yeah. Uh, so, like, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with Mike. So, I mean, the funding is, is the key, and I can speak to that just from me, me playing there at Tuskegee and just saying how – the scholarships and stuff was. So we, when you talk, I, we had a person on our team played at the University of Florida. We actually had two players from the University of Florida and they personally said like, yeah, it's, it's a huge, it, it took a lot for us to come here. The only reason we came here is because it was like our last resort. We couldn't go D1 because we were going to sit out. And so from there, he was saying how, you know, we get 1500 a month, da, da, da. At Skiki, we got 400 a month. Like, and there's some people that come from different backgrounds. Like Mikey Williams, I see what you're saying, Lou, but Mikey Williams' parents are also too successful. Like, I think his mom works at the school, and his dad also, I think his dad is a coach at Hampton. So it's they're, they're both successful. He can sacrifice that. Yeah, he can right. sacrifice going to Hampton yeah. and taking that small scholarship. Like, most of your top players, especially in football, they come from not much. So it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to say, hey, I'm going to go to this school, get – what looks like a full scholarship, but a full scholarship compared to Duke, Alabama, whatever it may be, is not going to look the same as HBCU. It's just, it's just, right. It just won't right. look like that. Imagine, like, imagine. I have to. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, bro. But imagine, like, let's say Mikey Williams goes to an HBCU. Imagine how all of those big basketball schools shift their marketing mm. when they go and reach out to athletes. Imagine how they shift it. It's going to be just, like I said, they're not supposed to be giving out money and all this other stuff to athletes to entice them to come. But imagine how their whole marketing framework changes. It's going to be like, you could go there and God knows what's going to happen. We don't know what happened with, like, next year. They're going to be like, we don't know what's going to happen with Mikey Williams. And, you know, he made a bad decision and went to HBCU. And, you know, you can come here. We got the facilities. You know, you got a bigger stipend. You got, you know, all this other stuff. It's just going to it's gonna eat away at that. So yeah. I think, like, it needs to be – HBCUs need to be able to really make a, make a good case as to why you should come. Know, the funding may not be there today, but you need to make a strong case as to why you should come here and you can still go to the league. It's like – Okay, we can we can only give you four or five hundred dollars, you know, a semester, whatever the case may be, with the with the stipends and everything, relative to what another school can give you that may be three times that. But here's all the other stuff we can give you, and you can still go to the league at the end of the day. 
So like that, that like let's say we can give you five hundred, Duke can give you fifteen. Here's how we make up that thousand dollar gap. It may not be cash, but we're gonna develop you in all these other ways, and then you can go to the league, and you'll be a better person for it. If you can sell it, it's it's just about selling it, bro. It's all about selling it. If you can't, HBCUs need to be able to sell it. Like they they have to. That's gonna be the only way that they can attract that top talent, retain that top talent, and everything. Because I do not put it past any of those big schools to let any top 10, top 20 picks, people that they've been recruiting, you know they'd be recruiting these people early. You know they'd be at the early. games and everything. He's sophomore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, they, you know they are out here trying to recruit this raw top talent early as possible. How do you compete with that? They're going to do it more aggressively if this guy goes to an HBCU. It's just going to be like, we can't let the tide shift out of our conference. Because now it's bigger than our school. It's our conference mm-hmm. and, and the NCAA that's at jeopardy. So now we all collectively have to go hardball and get these candidates away from HBCUs before they start going and, you know, before they just start exodusing the the, the broader, like, the, the established NCAA and going to some of these farther pockets of it. Like, you have to think about that because it can't just be one guy like one guy can go and he could do it he can be successful it's about everybody else and like if HBCUs as a whole want to make that case make a stand and say hey black athletes we know you do your you we know that you can ball we know that but we have something that those schools can't provide to you you can't put a dollar figure on it because that's the truth Morehouse provides something that you can't put a dollar figure on period Period. But you got to be able to sell it. And like, I, it just doesn't seem like the impetus is there for these HBCUs to sell it yet. They should get there. I agree. They should get there, but it just doesn't seem like it's there yet. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time, you know, to get there. But I, I feel like I agree completely with what you guys are saying. But I think it's just, it's, like I said earlier, it's just the mindset of, you know, these athletes. Like, you're willing to make sacrifices. Oh, that's for sure. I, I know Wes talked about, you know, you know, Mikey Williams' mom or, you know, parents, you know, come from a rich family. But even if you don't come from if you if you stick to your morals and this is what you really truly believe in, there's not there's not gonna be anyone or anything to influence your decision. True. But you, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I see you, but even then, we're not even talking about Mikey Williams. You say sacrifice. Just, so you yeah. saying you saying you said you know, somebody gonna have to give away their scholarship to some team. What if that person's parents ain't doing well either? So now he got to figure out. Damn, I needed that extra to do yep. that. Now I can't do that because now I got to give up my money to get this guy. Like I, I'm glad mm-hmm. he's here and I want to win. But man, this was my livelihood. I needed that. And I, I, I need completely, that. I completely and agree that, with that. I think the fun, fun to go ahead. And, and, and to Wes's like, point a while back, right? You're talking about a lot of guys who come from situations where they don't have a ton. I was just watching, I don't know if you guys know or watch Inky Johnson's motivational speeches. Yeah, yeah. I watch Inky a lot. Inky Johnson, like, his story is phenomenal, right? Like, he came from, like, you know, the Kirkwood neighborhood, Kirkwood neighborhood in Atlanta, like, didn't have anything. And, like, he was determined to go, like, to the NFL. And, like, while that may not have worked out for him, he got pretty dang close. Right. And, like, you're talking about people, and I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but you're talking about people with that mindset is I'm trying to 
get there by any means necessary. So when you, you handed me a bunch of options with risk, I'm going to go with the least risky option. Yeah. Like if Ohio State is promising me all this laundry list of stuff and it's a really good chance I go to the league, I'm going to go with them over Tennessee, California, Oklahoma, whoever, especially a HBCU. But that's just, I mean, I agree. I think maybe I'm hoping that maybe that's just a subset of people. Yeah. And maybe the broader group decides that, you know what, it's better for us to break down these barriers and like, you know, bring some of that prosperity back to HBCUs. But frankly, I don't, I don't see why they necessarily would. Like, I know where my head was at before I left NCH and, and went to Morehouse. I know where my head was at. It was, I'm trying to win by any means necessary. So whoever's going to help me win, that's what team I'm signing up for. And I, I just know that that mindset is very real. Like, yeah, you can have the best intentions in the world, but if you're trying to win, you're going to go with whoever's offering you the best opportunity to win. Right. And you mentioned, Mike, this is why I'm smiling here because it, it, these universities are not slick. Like you said, ha, just imagine how they're going to start marketing themselves. Well, they already started marketing themselves. I don't know if y'all have noticed lately. Just passed the law that said you can make money off your likeness now at some colleges and stuff. Oh, well, uh, I do. I do know about that. I was actually just talking about in reference to everything that's been going on. I know. Uh, I think Clemson is one. They're starting to change name of like, you know, slave owners and things of that mm -hmm. nature to make it seem like these universities are less oppressive now, right? Mm -hmm. And so if, if you are recruiting, you're like, oh, well, now they, they, they're understanding the talk lately and they still provide the same mm -hmm. program. They're changing, right? They're changing themselves to better, to, to better understand me. Well, then, you know, I mean, it's we back to square one essentially. Like, yeah. all right, what does these HBCUs offer me versus a, yep. a PWI? And it's like, well, if we plan on the same, you know, playing field or, or you know, leveling grounds here, you know, it's always gonna come back to funding. And yeah. like you yep. said, like you said, uh, Wes, like, dude, they can come with some cheese. Now, granted, they willing to get in trouble for it, but it's like, I mean, when you got lawyers to do stuff like that, of course you're going to be cool to fish out. I'm like, that's why Zion in the trouble he in right now. Because he, I mean, shoot, they, what was it? He was like sophomore year, I think oh, they was yeah, recruiting him. Yeah, and now all of a sudden you see him in, in this legal battle, but bro, he's straight now. He's straight now. He got the, he got his shoe blew off in the middle of a game. That came with a school mm -hmm. enforcement deal. Like, you imagine somebody watching that on an on a HBCU game or something like that? Not, not, not saying they don't offer that, but I'm just like, since they're not on air and they don't get the same publicity, it's oh, like, it. right. I was like, what if Zion would have blew out his shoe at an HBCU? I just don't know if it would have came with the same oomph. Like, it came at right. like playing at a Duke game. Wasn't it North Carolina? Like, do you understand them? And who? guess who is endorsed by uh, – you know, North Carolina, the Jordan brand. And I know you guys had talked about this on, like, the importance of athletes endorsing these HBCUs. That could have a lot of impact on it, too. But that's the other way we don't get. You know what I mean? I think it's just with, with college sports, much like with anything else in life, right, it's survival yeah. of the fittest. The oh. people – the people – at the top of the hill are never as hungry as the people climbing the hill. And in this scenario will be the established 
uh, big sports schools versus HBCUs, and HBCUs are the ones climbing the hill, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to do, every, like, the, the established sports schools. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do everything in their power to make sure that they keep that prosperity coming in. Like, you talk about schools that 20, 30, 40, 50% of their revenue is coming from sports. They're going to protect that. They're going to oh, try yeah. to. Oh, yeah. So oh, it's like, yeah. I love I love the discussion. Like, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I, I would love to see it happen, right? I would love to be able to go back to some more house games and, like, you know, just, just to be crazy. I would love to see that. I would love to go and experience it as an alum. Yeah. At the same time, though, it's like how much work needs to be done to get there. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of money that needs to start pouring into it. A lot of money that needs to start pouring into it. And you, like I said, you have to start somewhere. I mean, yeah, y'all got the events though. It's it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen a year, two years. It may take years, but I think if it it starts and we try to like change the mindset, like I think it could be like help HBCUs in the long run. Oh yeah, it totally could. Yeah. No, it it totally could. Um, gonna, like I said, it's going to take some sacrificing from a lot of individuals in order to get to where you know we see this vision. I mean, y'all y'all got but, the y'all but, got the but, family, but like y'all said, you know? I, we don't know if you know people are willing to do that because, like you said, I agree that it's survival of fitness. Like you're going to go where you think you're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we're we're talking about some of the most winningness oriented people on the planet you're talking about top tier athletes coming out of high school like you're ranked in the top 100 athletes in any given country and you're trying to go to the pros those are some of them like they they dream about winning like and they sleep they're dreaming about winning you're telling them like oh like you should sacrifice a little bit and maybe make you know break down some barriers it it makes a ton of sense but I just don't know personally if I believe that all of those athletes or even a majority of them will be willing to to make that sacrifice because like Wes pointed out and like I kind of uh, backed up, right? Like you talked about a, a, a large swath of these athletes who are coming from situations and like they have an opportunity to really upgrade their family's lifestyle permanently in a lot of ways so it's like why would i why would i take a a riskier shot at getting to the league if i know duke or ohio state or somebody or you know if they're if i know like 80 percent shot i'm going to the league why would i why would i sacrifice and give it a 50 50 shot or whatever the case may be i don't know what the numbers are but you're talking about people who are just like i'm trying to win who's giving me the best shot at winning and I just think HBCUs need to market themselves better. Like, you can still go. I, I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, a person who's slated to go, like, top three out of high school, I have no doubt in my mind that they should still be in great shape, depend, no matter where they went to school. Like, they should still be in great shape, period. Mm-hmm. Period, right? It's just how do you attract them? What tools do you have to attract them? And I think that those uh, those bigger sports oriented schools they they got they got some tricks up their sleeves. They've been at this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, 
listen here. I, do y'all have any other? Because I, 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 this one, this one actually is, has gone much further than I we anticipated for sure. Uh, I mean, we do have another topic, Mike, if you're willing to stick around. But I mean, yeah. if not, I mean, we can. We, <laughs> we can dive in. Oh, I was about to say we can <laughs> dive into this as much as y'all want to, man. So we, I'm, I'll, I'll I'm down for whatever. Okay. I'm down for whatever you guys want to do. So we we got another topic coming up, and it's about it's regarding the NBA, um, some some pop culture stuff. Um, so I'm gonna have to do it again, Mike, if it's okay with you. I'm um go ahead and make yeah. another another invite for you if that's okay, brother. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right. All right. So, uh, Mike, thank you for, for joining us on this second portion of the show. Get to get some real talk going, even though it is regarding sports still. Um, so the, the latest in the sports world um, has been the NBA is returning. And as good as that sounds, that even has some conflict. Um, LeBron James has already came out and said that he wants the season to return. I personally think that if he don't return, he think that it might be the end. Yeah. But I ain't gonna go. In, I ain't gonna go into all of that. Let's I ain't gonna go. That, I ain't gonna go into that. Yeah, you know I mean, but his uh, his former partner in crime, Mr. Kyrie Irving, um, has actually opposed the idea uh, because of the protesting, and he feels that. Uh, if the NBA were to return, especially in an irresponsible fashion, um, that it could harm all the progress that these protests have been doing as of lately. Um, and I personally think there's no wrong answer to this, um, this question or this conflict. So I did want to open this one up to the floor. Um, first off, who do you agree with more, fellas? Uh, who do you agree with more? Do you do you agree with LeBron James and the fact that bringing, you know, the, the NBA back will provide some, I guess, comfort and some, I guess, financial stability to players that really need it? Or do we not need their distraction right now based on Kyrie's opinion? Which What are y'all thinking right now? Kyrie's uh... <laughs> I, I'm leaning more toward Kyrie. It's a tough decision because I'm, yes, I'm a huge basketball fan, but I I, I like what Kyrie, how Kyrie is thinking. Hey, I'm on his side, man. This this is too drastic of a situation to even yes. be because this, this keeps happening over and over. It's yes. gonna get kicked under the rug some way, yes. somehow. Mm-hmm. We gonna find a way. I with a game on tonight, but then somebody just got shot last week, I guess. So you know, blah blah blah. It ain't the time for that right now, like. The NBA just needs to figure out a way to get these guys paid and needs to give with their agents and try to find a way to structure their money the, the correct way so that they can get themselves paid and so that they can find a way to get paid throughout all of this that's going on. That's on their agents. That they, that's the only reason you still should be getting paid. And no matter what, like there's there's things in contracts that have it set up for. I know they have it in the NFL contracts that I've had to look over and stuff like that. So they definitely should have something set up to where you still getting your money. Yeah. Or some type of endorsement deals. Everybody has some type of endorsement. That's that's one thing that they need to know about who everybody's endorsed by somebody. So they definitely need to find a way to let that happen. I'm one I'm one hundred percent with Kyrie. Even though I also <laughs> I also believe Kyrie's probably doing it too because I don't really don't think he's gonna play basketball. So 
that's a thing too. But sadly, you know, whatever LeBron say, say LeBron want to play, they gonna play. You think it's a conspiracy? Oh my god! <laughs> no, oh know. my god! No, I just, I just <laughs> Whoa! Long, but that's just another day. You're right. You're right. That's just my thought. I'm gonna agree. Yeah. Lou, you said you agree. I, I agree. Um, so pretty much with everything Wes said, like we, I know in our earlier like couple shows before this, we talked about how you know some you know event occurs and we talk about it for a little bit, but then we push it under the rug, like Wes just said. And I, I think that by starting basketball again, that's just gonna like Wes said, it's just gonna distract us from continuing to you know, look at these protests and, like, understand the value of these protests. And I don't think that needs to be gone because right now there has been some changes made, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. There's still cops out there that have done things that are still free. And until we get justice for those innocent people, like, we don't, we need to keep these protests going, peaceful protests going. Mm -hmm. So that's just my take on it. And I, I, I don't want to get distracted from it because, you know, you bring basketball back, everybody's going to be excited. All the news, the media is just going to talk about basketball, 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 and just forget all about the protests. And that don't need to happen. Mike, do you, do you have any, um, any, you know, comments on this? Um, <clears throat> slightly. I, I would say I agree with the messaging that Kyrie has given off. I think that's admirable and honorable. I just feel like black people have been being killed by the police for a long time, and that ain't shut not one season down. Mm-hmm. Like, it hasn't stopped anybody from making any money before. I don't remember what time of year Trayvon Martin died, but I don't recall any games being canceled or anybody. Mm-hmm not anybody not making any, like i don't recall anybody stopping stopping the the money train because of that i think it i think it's the right thing to say but i really question where people's loyalties really lie and that's just me like being skeptical like yeah. i'm just a skeptical person by nature right so i think it sounds good but you were Mr. Mr. Kyrie Irving, you were cool with, you know, collecting your checks and all that other stuff. And whenever, like when other people were dying, it's like, why the sudden change of heart? But I mean, I think it's the right thing to do. What's also a little bit interesting to me is LeBron is probably the most paid person in the league right now. Why is he advocating to, to, to keep it going? I don't think it's, I'd, I'm, I would be hard pressed to assume that he's money motivated. Like he, it's not about the money for him. It's I'm not. sure he has another reason to um to want it to continue. Like again, like we're talking about people who want to. This is a profession. They want to. They want to play ball. They want to bring the money in. Like they want to, um, you know, entertain the fans. This is what they do. So I could see why somebody who's really all about that wants the game to keep going. So I don't know. I could see both sides of the argument and I don't really feel too strongly one way or the other because I don't personally, I don't feel like the game of basketball itself really has a 
a huge positive or negative impact on the movement. Like if the if the if the NBA came out today and was like, we're starting get get to practicing because we going back at it next week. If the NBA just came out and flat out said that, like we're back next game is next week, these dudes will be playing. So yeah, right. you could say what you want to say about not wanting to bring it back, but if you know, if the GM called you up and said, you know, suit up, you gotta suit up. Exactly. So like it's it's a business. Right. It's a business at the end of the day. Like in mm-hmm. in business it's about it's about green. Like no other color matters but but green. It's sad to say that because you know, we wanna see the movement do what we def- desperately feels like needs to be done, but I think it's all it's all politics. Like you can say what you want to say, and that that all sounds good until somebody tells you like, "Yo, we got we got to do X, Y, and Z tomorrow." And then you know, guess where Kyrie gonna be? He could say what he want to say till he blew in the face. But when they call him and say that you know what, you got to suit up, you got to be there. So what was all that talking about? Are you gonna now abstain from basketball because they told you to come back next week because you have this moral high ground, or are you gonna do what you were supposed to do? Right. Like just. To me, it does like something smells funny about it, um, and something smells funny to me about the LeBron situation. Like what he had to say too. It's like I'm I'm not a NBA insider, but something doesn't smell right to me on all of this because you can say what you want to say to the cameras, you can tweet what you want to tweet, but at the end of the day, if the game was going on right now, I wonder how many people would be like, "Nah, I don't feel like playing this week or next week. I'm gonna just take a couple weeks off." Like who would say that? But, you know, it's easy to say when you ain't got no games to play. Yeah, it, it is. Hey, I'm, I'm actually with you. There, once again, there are no wrong answers on this, fellas. Um, I'm sure there will be once the comments get popping. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this for real because if you think about it, if from Kyrie's perspective, this is like the perfect <laughs> storm, right? You had COVID-19 that hit. So people were forced not to play. And then during the COVID-19 stuff where people weren't allowed to play, you had another incident of police brutality again where players were now able to be more involved with, you know, the movements and stuff that's been going on. And now they're starting to understand the importance of being in, in the front lines with this stuff. And so as a result, like, he can make a comment like that and it makes sense. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't need the distraction so we can be out there. But my thing is, and I don't know what LeBron's, I don't know what his intentions are, but I will say this. I don't see, like you said, Mike, I don't see, you know, this hurting anything if it comes back because it's never stopped anything before. Uh, I mean, even especially in the NBA's uh, uh, sense because of the fact that when the last time we had a situation like this, they were wearing the I can't breathe shirts and all that, and you couldn't do that in the NFL. What, what you, what's up, Mike? Think about how – do y'all – like, I know y'all watch sports, so y'all know the psychological impact of the NBA shutting down for COVID-19, the psychological impact. Like, I never saw people lined up at the stores – buying all of the toilet paper and paper towels and mm-hmm. stuff until the NBA shut down. That's real impact. We've had people, black people, dying at the hands of the police for decades, and the NBA That's true. kept on rolling. Yeah. 
So I don't think it really has an impact until the league says we can't do this right now. Like, that's the only interjection I wanted to make. Like, cause No, that's a very good – The psychology really changed when they shut down mid-game, an NBA game. It was like everybody got to get out of here. And then all of a sudden everybody's panicking, buying out everything at the grocery stores and stuff because then it felt real. Right. That's real impact. But you're talking about people getting shot dead in the street in cold blood – and the league as a whole doesn't bat an eye at it. They just kind of keep on and like people wear t-shirts and like, I get it. It's activism. I totally understand that. But we're talking about two very different types of like impact here. Like if the league said, we'll go back to what, let's start practicing next week. We're back at it the middle of July. And all the players, all the black players were like, you know what? We don't want to play because that's going to take away from the message. So the league can't start up. That that would have a real impact for the movement. But we're talking about like, oh, like, I personally don't think it should, you know, as Kyrie Irving, I don't think it should start back up. That's nice to say, but it sounds good until the league says, hey, we starting up tomorrow. What you going to do? You in or you out? Then it matters more. But right now, it's just positioning. It's like, which side of history you want to be on? You want to be the one who said this? You want to be the one who said that? And, like, it's – to me, like, it's it's frivolous until you get called into action. Like, what you going to do? Yeah. Man, listen, I will will also say this, man. And I'm not saying what he said was disrespectful or anything like that. But Colin Kaepernick was literally blackballed by the NFL. NFL. What I don't care what people say. He was literally blackballed, and he went out on a limb, put himself out there, allowed himself to be blackballed, and he's still willing to come back to the league and play. So for me, I'm just like, listen, like you said, it sounds good, but the reality is that's your business. Like that's your that's your source of income. Uh, Granted, he has some other sources of income, but my thing is, this is like Colin Kaepernick's true impact came because he was actually playing, whether we believe it or not. It's not because he's not playing anymore. His impact yeah. came because he was actually playing and he was doing the peaceful protest. And then that's when the whole uproar stuff uh, happened because of the, the flag. We're not going to go into that again. Right. But I was just but, like, but it happened imagine, because he was playing. Think about how many of those players in the NFL at that time like we're talking how many teams in the NFL? What is it, like 16, 20, 32. something like that? In the NFL? 32. Yep. Yeah, 32 teams, right? What is it, 52 players a team? And it's like 80% black? Yeah. All of those players, Colin Kaepernick is kneeling. There was a lot of people, black men on those teams who felt uncomfortable about it. And they're like, yo, I support the movement, but I like, I got a job to do. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And so, so, so had the exactly. NFL been shut down, had the NFL been shut down, all of those black players probably would have been like, yeah, you know, it's not in our best interest to start the season up. But when duty calls, that's when like, you got to sink or swim. Like what you going to do? Exactly. Like, Colin Kaepernick took the knee. He said, like, I'm, 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 this is where I stand. And, like, I stand firm on this. It was a lot of people who were on the fence about it, like, oh, I'll tweet about it, but I'm not going to take a knee at the game. 
yeah. it's like yeah like which side of which side of history do you want to be on and it's that that's why i just feel like something smells foul with with all of it like you can say what you want to say as a player i'm not in the league i'm not in any of the aspects of the league but you know it's just something doesn't smell right with it cuz y'all not playing games right now like you mean to tell me if Kyrie and like this is this this should goes to show you how much I don't watch basketball anymore. I don't even remember what team the brother is on, but whatever his team is, right? You mean to tell me if his team was like right there in the playoffs? They just like they in the playoffs now, and then they was like, oh, we should all go home because the Black Lives Matter movement matters too much for this. You think Kyrie would have this opinion? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so it's like something smells off here. Yeah. Something smells off. Yeah. It sounds no, real good like, when you ain't playing no game. Yeah, good point. Yeah. All them points. They're great points, bro. Yeah. It sounds good until, like, you the one winning. Then it's like, hold on. Why are we stopping? Like, I could donate some money. Why Why we got to shut down? I could, I could send some checks. I could do a few tweets. I could do a few commercials. Yeah. LeBron. Exactly. I I agree with you, Mike. Something does smell fishy. Hey, I I ain't gonna lie to you, but he did get some backlash, and this actually goes into the next question I have. And I know we got we're running short on time, Um, but he really he receives some backlash because of his comments. And my thing is personally, uh, should he be receiving backlash in his comments about not returning to the league? Um, and, and why or why not? But I'm I'm with you though, Mike. Like he, I think technically they are in the playoff push right now. Yeah. Uh, actually, yes, they're going against LeBron if they have the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's in a position where he's in the playoffs, but he's not highly seated. And so him returning to the game doesn't seem like it's going to have much of an impact because he might get swept. And at first, I mean, honestly, it depends on the KD decides to come back or not. But, I mean, he is looking at getting swept, and his whole return seems to be for nothing if that would be the case. LeBron, on the other hand, he number one right now in the seedings, or is it – no, number two. So number two. He's number two in the seedings, and he like, hey, I mean, if there's any way we can get back into the league, let it be this. Because I wonder if he would have had the same sentiments last year True. When he was hurt, so you bring up a really good point, that's Mike. A good, that's a great point. But I do want to open it up because we only got a couple of minutes, and then obviously we give you some final final words, Mike. But I was like, should he be receiving this type of backlash? No, just because everybody. I tell you, everybody got under the nose. I will say the only reason he's getting backlash is because for years, these past years, Kyrie Irving has, hasn't played a lot of basketball. Yeah. So. Yeah. In basketball people's mind, they're believing this is Kyrie's urban way to not keep playing basketball and so he can just be on his little freelance however he's been doing. Because it thoroughly is believed, I think Kyrie's going to retire in the next two years, two, three years probably. I think he's going to retire. Wow. I think he'll retire early. This is something back that's getting me off about it. But anyways, that's just what these people probably just thinking about it. So they mm-hmm. throwing all this backlash at him for no reason. He's really trying to stand up for a good cause. Like, that's how Kyrie always has been. If you it follow is. him, he, he always speak up for what he speak up. He don't, you know, he not bull****. Yes, he, he telling us what he is. Yeah. Like, he really believes. He believes this, you know, this is a serious thing. So he's trying to speak up on it, bro. 
I don't think he deserved it. I don't either. But what about you, Luke? I mean, no, I I really don't think he deserves to get backlash. Like like what I said, it's he's not thinking about himself at this moment. And maybe he is because maybe he don't want to play play right now in the season. But he's thinking about the world. He's thinking about the systemic issues that we face as African American people. So he's not thinking about like he's thinking about the greater good of everyone. And how can you get backlash for that? Like, why would you? Why would someone want to backlash someone that's not that's like compassionate enough to consider other people? But it just it's just mind blowing to me. Like, and I don't think anyone deserves. I don't think anyone in this situation deserves backlash. Yeah. LeBron don't either. Like, you know, because they both have good valid points of LeBron. Good valid points of why they want to. Why they they said what they said. And it's an opinion. It is. What was the color of those people that gave backlash? Now? <laughs> and I don't. I, I I don't think he deserves a backlash. I do get it, just for the simple fact, just for the simple fact that last year, or was it last year? When was the whole thing that happened with? When when, when was Colin Kaepernick um, going through his stuff? Couple years ago, I mean, that was twenty. That, that was twenty sixteen. What okay. I was thinking of. So, I personally, I mean, what he did, what Colin Kaepernick did, transcended across sports and everything else. Like he was a, a real country topic um, at one point. And if I remember correctly, Kyrie, he was he's always been saying some off the wall stuff. But it never was to the extent of like, oh, well, that's how y'all really feel about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and, and the stuff that he's trying to stand up for. Let me use my platform and not play. Like, he was very much still playing at the time. And I think yeah. if I – that's why I wanted to know when it was, because if it was 2016, 2016, when they – was that the year they won? Yeah, that was the year they won. As it's like, oh, well, go figure. You know, of course you ain't going to want to stop. Because, I mean, you about to win, and you know what winning bring. It bring more publicity, bring more money, bring all this, bring all that. But I'm just like, it. I'm not saying he's sounding um, – I'm not going to say that he's contradicting himself. I am just saying, all right, this is not – like Mike said, it's not the first time this has happened. Yeah, no, and I'm like, I just want to – I'm personally just asking, where is the change of heart? Like, what is it about this – particular incident that is changing your heart because I'm like what happened to George Floyd was absolutely disgusting but you can literally say that about the other deaths that didn't happen (laughs) thus far and I was just like Kyrie you've always been this outspoken so I'm just trying to figure out why this one is different for you that's all the thing I want to know but but he does not need this you know serious backlash I think Kendrick Perkins said some he said some old off-the-wall stuff that if you put Kyrie's brain in a bird, it'll fly backwards. And I'm like, that that's now that's some foolery, bro. I don't I don't agree with that at all. He is. He's very much a LeBron lover. And it's just like, bro, that much we don't need for sure. Because that's completely uncalled for. Completely uncalled for. But but Mike. Um, we we want to thank you. Appreciate for, you brother. for coming on to the brother. show, my guy. We 
We actually very much enjoyed our time with you while you was down here. We wish we could have got you on here while you was, you know, live and in person. But we definitely appreciate you for coming in virtually. Do you have any personal shout-outs that you want to give to your family? Any personal ventures you got going on, friends, anything like that, brother? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, I appreciate y'all for having me on. Like, it's always. definitely been a pleasure. It's always good to connect with you guys. I got some of my absolute best friends. So, you know, this is um, <clears throat> this is good. Um, in terms of shout-outs, like, I mean, yeah, shout-out to family, everyone back in, uh, in Cincinnati. Like, you know, but outside of that and personal endeavors and stuff, I'm still just, working on a number of things and trying to get some some things off the ground um both personally and professionally um and i just shout out y'all guys like i'm not gonna put all the deets out there but i know how how hard y'all are working to um to get your ventures off the ground lou wes moe's individually so you know, yes, I shout out y'all for, for getting it, you know, for pushing so hard. Oh, shout out my boy Lou for, for getting his uh getting his doctorate. I'll shout that one out. Much love, brother. And shout out to you too, because y'all all have an impact on my life. So I love this moment right now, you know man. Look at the brothers coming together. This is beautiful. Yeah. Hey. But um oh and shout out shout out shout out West on the uh on a new gig. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You wanna tell what the new gig is? I am now the director of performance for a gentleman's sports and fitness. So. Yeah. Let's go. It's nasty out here. You feel me? Mike, do you have um, uh, any social media handles that you can also present as well, my brother? Or your Twitter and IG. Yeah, yeah, get people to follow you out here. Yeah, I mean, Twitter and IG are both at Mr. Mike Cali. That's C-A-L-I. Nasty. Nah, it ain't even like that. Let's not even, let's not even perpetuate that myth. But, uh, but yeah, you know, feel free to, you know, Follow, the Follow me as long as as long as it's not any angry comments about any of the views I've expressed today. Feel free to follow. No slander out here, my dude. No, no slander. No slander out here. Man. But yeah, it's been it's definitely been a pleasure. Um, Thank you. I look forward to the next one. Hey, well, you always know you you more than welcome onto the show, my guy, uh, family for sure. So you get the front row seat. Get you get you get the all access pass to the locker room. So so definitely uh just let us know whenever you want to come back. We'll we'll make time for you, my my guy. All right. All right. I bet. As for us, this is another episode of Inside the Locker Room, episode 19. We're coming to a close. We're coming to a close on the season. Appreciate everybody that's been tuning in. Y'all know where to follow us on, on IG and all them other platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all them. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> Lou, you got any uh, personal accounts that we need? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's all I got. <laughs> so, I ain't so, got no MySpace. Right, no, no MySpace. <laughs> we got Urban Chat. We coming Ooh, out. the Urban man. Chat. Ooh. That's a, that's a, ooh, you just got me some nostalgia, my guy. You feel me? <laughs> 
But but yeah, y'all already know where to follow us. Uh, make sure y'all tune in and give us any type of feedback. Y'all definitely been doing well with the feedback, so we appreciate y'all. Uh, but as for myself, I'm your boy Steve Mose. Boy West, out boy Loon Walk, and MC. MC. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in, and this is another episode of Inside the Locker Room. Hey, peace.